0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Wednesday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, Darvin Ham has some decisions to make when it comes to the rotation, or does he? That's next. You are locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked on Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcast. This one is always going to be free and never behind a paywall. Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go hang out with over 23,000 subscribers, all of whom, Andy, are excited for the second half to kick in. We're actually legitimately excited because, I don't know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, it looked like maybe that wouldn't be the case, that people would be looking to – to these last 20-something games with dread uh, and fear, but instead that hot streak before the break has changed the attitude uh, to say the least. Do want to let everybody know that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Visit fanduel.com slash on. To get started, so we'll get to this uh, rotation question here, uh, because as the second half, you know, technically not mathematical, but everybody understands, gets going, uh, the Lakers are expected to at some point, if not on Thursday, relatively soon, welcome back Max Christie and uh, Cam Reddish to the lineup, um, and perhaps, hopefully, maybe before the end of the year, uh, Gabe Vincent and uh, Jared Vanderbilt. But I do think it is worth like getting into how for a second here before we start like just how much different the second half of the season is shaping up to be i i, I keep putting my you know flag there post boston as opposed to before and and the difference in what this stretch run could have looked like had the lakers not switched the vibe thing around before they got to the all star break
1: yeah, I I think if this season ends up being memorable for whatever reasons that are positive, you're going to look back on that. I mean, it can be no, it's memorable. Been,
0: it's, for, a, it's an important distinction.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, I I, I don't want to be the glass half-empty guy, and I'm not trying to be. I'm just saying that caveat must exist. But I think if there's going to be a few different flashpoints, I think, of this season when people you know look to do the – historical record of it. But I think one big part of it is going to be that Boston game because there had been so much negativity swirling around it. And, you know, LeBron's do your job statement and you had the hourglass tweet and you had a lot of very obvious grumbling from players beyond the, you know, unnamed sources reports that was pretty clear. A lot of players did not like the direction that Darvin was shepherding the team and a lot of the decisions that he was making, a lot of lineup constructions, things like that, even the stuff that you take into account, like Jared Vanderbilt missing the first 20 games of the season out of Darvin's control, there was just a lot of negativity swirling. You go into Boston, arguably the best team in the entire league so far this season, sorry, but true, and you face them without LeBron or AD. And you control that game and win it, and then it sparks the win in New York and the way that they have played down the stretch since then. I think that game's going to be looked back upon as really like a turning point potentially or something that was like a come-to-Jesus moment of, okay, what are we doing with this season? Like, are we just going to grumble it away, passive-aggressively pout it away, just – phone it in, check out, or are we going to try to do something with it? Mm -hmm. And that, you know, look, it didn't require just change from the players. It required some change from Darwin as well. But I think everybody in that moment came together. And what's funny is it's not like the Lakers hadn't played any games well before then, but there still had just been this malaise, even when they were winning games, that seems to have changed.
0: And the two that preceded that game were awful. You know, the, they got blown out in both games. And then you, you know, you, the X with the expectation that they were the same thing was going to happen. It's just, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I don't know exactly what it was. And like, you know, I think it's the kind of thing that as the season goes on, if the good stuff continues, I think, you know, it's, it's worth finding out like what, what, what was that experience like? Why did it seem to have such a galvanizing uh, impact? Because it yeah, I don't know if it sort of just snapped him out of it. I don't like you said, like, you know, made him refocus and decide, like, what are we doing here? Or if it just was such a it, like a fun moment, an unexpected fun moment, and also one where you have to kind of like, I don't know, if these guys are gonna go out and do this. Uh, maybe when everybody's back, maybe there really is something to play for here. Um, a, a restoring of confidence, but I just, I there, let's say they're 500 instead of four games over 500. Like it's, it's you know, they're still kind of right where they are in terms of the play in, they're not that much different, or they're two games over instead of four, whatever it is. I mean, if they uh, were 500 really quickly, if they're 500, it would just be flip-flop
1: with Golden State, They'd right? Be a 10 instead of the nine,
0: right? It's like. Or or they're two games over, or whatever it is, like you know, pick it to where it's not, you know, they don't go on the little run, but the record's not terrible. They didn't lose every game going into it. It's still like it was night and day, and then we started to see over the the All Star break reports of like, yeah, you know, the vibes have really changed. People are much happier, like, and and so on, which you expect from winning, but to sit on that week if they had lost or been 500 or barely squeaked by you know charlotte and or blew a couple games after you know you you beat boston and new york but you give one right back let's say but they didn't do any of that and, you know even the denver game which was you know the only loss that they've had in that stretch came without lebron and it came with giving themselves a great opportunity to win after making a big comeback
1: yeah, they they were credible in that loss and Denver there's no shame in losing to Denver. It's nothing that other than figuring out what do we need to do to be better enough that we can actually beat Denver in a series. Like there's there's nothing alarming about losing yeah. to the Nuggets. I mean, in thinking about this a little bit more, like the significance of that Boston game and some of the things that happened around it. First of all, it was a game that was won by the role players right on the heels of LeBron Saying, "Everybody do your jobs." Mm-hmm. That was a game where everybody did their jobs. Like you cannot complain about the jobs that anybody among the role players did in that game. So it was sort of like message sent, message received. Um, I think there's an element of the holdovers from last season, and this began with Jared Vanderbilt starting to play more with LeBron, AD, D'Lo, Reeves, whether as a Starter, or whether closing out halves, uh, getting into that look earlier in third quarters, and then Rui joining the starting lineup, beyond the ways that I think it has helped the team, and that obviously makes guys happy. I think they got happier because it's what they wanted. Like yeah, they actually no just bet. got what they wanted. And, and yeah, I think there's an element of like, look, this is how we think we're best. If, we're, if we are wrong, Darwin, and you're right, at least allow us the opportunity to prove that you're right, as opposed to just assuming that for, for whatever reason, this isn't the road, this isn't the formula. And I think they were happy in a lot of ways just getting what they wanted.
0: I, I think you're right. And I think that is what... Because I think they didn't understand why they weren't getting it. I I think that is what makes this next moment at least a little tricky in the sense that what is coming is a little bit of a test for Darvin to see where he and the coaching staff are on uh, player appeasement, in your <laughs> to, to put it uh, the, the way you are, we'll explain a little bit more next.
1: Walkdown Lakers is brought to you by FanDuel, and you can get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. Five bucks, that's it. Any variety of bet, that's 150 bucks just for winning that bet. And you can bet on all of your favorite NBA players. Obviously, they are the Lakers are included that. Teams, by definition, the Lakers with quick bets. Live same-game parlays, exclusive props, all sorts of different stuff. Lakers, odds of winning a championship. Anthony Davis for Defensive Player of the Year. Austin Reeves, Sixth Man of the Year. All sorts of stuff. So just visit fanduelcom slash locked on and shoot your shot. Fandle, official sportsbook partner of the NBA.
0: Locked on Lakers is also brought to you by LinkedIn. Look, I mean, everybody, you know, you work for a big corporation. You got you got your giant HR department. they they looking out. They're going out and finding people and, and taking in applications. But when you're hiring for your small business, it's a different deal. You want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And you have to be able to do that quickly and efficiently, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. It has all the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. And LinkedIn isn't just another job board. It has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire, gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn does all of that while making the process easier easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. Uh, So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. That is speed that you need to keep your business going. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire, to dedicate tons of time and energy to it. You got to find your people fast to add to your team. So post a job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. So, you know, the, the, the upside is the Lakers, um, even through some injuries going into the break, Andy, put together some really good games. They had some good victories. They strung some wins together. They are among, I would say the hottest teams in the NBA going into the break, except every team in the West is basically just as hot (laughs) as they are. Um, And, you know, the the upside is they did that without injured players. The downside is those players are coming back and um, you got to figure out what to do with them because Cam Reddish And uh, Max Christie, we should get some probably more news, um, you know, certainly leading into Thursday's game, but perhaps as early as today, as to you know the status, the health status of those guys. Um, They both have some utility, and I say that even as somebody who's not a huge believer in Cam Reddish. But the Lakers, I think, got to be careful, and Darwin's got to be careful about how he uses those guys, even if you're somebody who really wants Max Christie to be on the floor uh, at different times in different places.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is is interesting because this is usually around a time where you are starting the process of whittling down towards the playoffs. Like Mm -hmm. maybe you're not immediately playing your playoff rotation, but you are at least starting the process of figuring out you know, the next couple players who may not be a part of it. And generally speaking in the playoffs, it is really difficult to play more than nine. Like you might even get down to eight, but nine is the limit. And in thinking about this, and this leads up to the question of Reddish versus Christie, Reddish and Christie, neither, whatever. Thinking about this in a perfect world, which includes health, these are the eight guys that I think would definitely be in the rotation. Anthony Davis, LeBron James, D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura, Jared Vanderbilt, Torian Prince, Spencer Dinwiddie. Like, I would be surprised and, frankly, confused if any of those eight were not in the rotation. Again, health presumed. Mm-hmm. If you were, And then you start getting into the situ- situational backup big thing, which maybe is a thing, maybe not. It would ten- depend on the matchups, depending on whether or not you wanted to roll with Rui or LeBron as the backup center. But even then, I doubt you will be doing that now. It's probably too early. I would stick with Jackson Hayes. I think he's been better of late. I think he... Also, the way the team has been playing of late, he fills more needs than Christian Wood
0: does. And he's he's sort of corrected the big thing that was keeping him off the floor, which is can't go 30 seconds without committing a foul. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And once fouling is not an issue... Jackson Hayes, you know, he's still not a perfect player, but he is a far less flawed player than he was before. And, and he's actually the last handful of games been really, really good. Yeah. Um. You, you see why teams find him intriguing. Right. This, well, because like, the Lakers game.
0: and the, and the Lakers can tailor his job to be very simple and very straightforward, and you know, really go be a true energy player. Um. You know, grab grab some rebounds, try to defend the rim set some screens, whatever, but just don't do that while picking up six fouls in 14 minutes. Right. And then
1: from there, there's the questions of Vanderbilt potentially being back this season or not, Gabe Vincent being back this season or not. I feel like unless Vincent's going to be back really quick, I don't think he's an option for this season. I think there's not going to be enough time to reacclimate him and assuming D'Lo, Reeves, Dinwiddie, and you know LeBron as a ball handler... I don't know where Vincent even fits in. So I, I think unless he's going to be back quickly, I don't really see him as an option.
0: Dinwiddie, the, the Dinwiddie acquisition, I don't think was one that signals exactly what they think is coming with Gabe Vincent, because I think they would have done it anyway. If that you know, he was the best player available to them, they would have signed him anyway. It's that unusual said, to
1: find a player as talented as Dinwiddie on the buyout market.
0: Right. So that said... To your point, that it can be hard to play more than nine guys in the playoffs. And oftentimes you'll see coaches go down to eight, really, for functionally. Um, it can also be really hard to play four guards. And so yeah. th- there's going to be a fourth guy who isn't going to play. And it would be unlikely that that would be Spencer Dinwiddie. Right. I mean, but I'm not, I mean because- I, I, it's those guys, in my mind, are so far in the distance. Like we're not sure. Did, did they, they? When last we saw Jared Vanderbilt, it was, we don't think he needs season-ending surgery yet, and we're hopeful he won't have right. to. That's a right. long way from we think he's coming back sometime soon. Right. Vando, obviously, if you can get him
1: back, he's he been with this team enough, and he, he provides such an important utility you want him to play. But if he's not an option, then it really does start turning into what I think should be a choice between Christie and Reddish. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can play them both. I think you have to make a choice between one or the other to make sure everybody gets enough rhythm, everybody gets enough flow. If I had to choose between the two, I would choose Christie. Um, I think he is a little bit more predictable, and uh, and I think he is easier to slot in, especially with Dinwiddie now there and the asks of Christie being lessened where he can play to more of his direct strengths. I think you can make an argument, though, for Reddish. And the argument would be he's more experienced than Christie, but also he's much bigger. He's got like about 2 inches and 30 pounds on Christie. And if you were thinking specifically about some of the matchups that you would be trying to have Vanderbilt take on specifically, you can make an argument that from a physicality size and length standpoint which is something the Lakers are looking to impose a lot anyway especially as they seem to be playing a little bigger these days more minutes for Rui that sort of stuff you can make an argument there that Reddish fills that role of Vanderbilt cleaner than Christie does like that specific thing again I would still choose Christie but either way you have to choose one or the other
0: I think it's right on a game to game basis I think generally speaking that that can change from game to game like in the same way that there may be days when Christian Wood is a better fit than Hayes for what you need to do or you know what you might need from your offense or the the particular matchup or what it is you can go back and forth I think between Reddish and um and, and Christie the other thing is you know too you can you can use Christie as a Torian Prince replacement at times um in a cleaner in a cleaner way at least offensively than reddish because i at least you know if if you want the spacing to some degree that prince provides you get i think more of that from from that Christie. may be true but there's no least, reason to take prince out of the rotation i'm not suggesting it even well, though i know I'm but i'm sure. just saying that's not compelling to me no i'm just saying and I'm, I'm not talking just about taking guys out of the rotation i'm talking about where the minutes come from because you know Rui, for example, is somebody that the reason you know you need Vanderbilt in part because there are as well as he's playing uh, over the last you know three or four games. Rui has defensive shortcomings that you know Vanderbilt doesn't. You know he Vanderbilt's much better chasing around screens. He's more mobile. He's you know quicker in small spaces and all that kind of stuff than Hachimura is. And so you know you might need to replicate to that to your point um, with reddish. Instead of Hachimura, at times, like there are going to be games that frustrate Lakers fans, just because defensively you need to create certain matchups, and that might mean you know Reddish and Prince are on the floor, and Hachimura isn't, and that's going to annoy people. Um, I what I hope though, and I think, I think, you know, and this gets back to your point that you were making at the beginning of the show. Um, I think it would be very hard if performances stay consistent, for Darwin to start cutting, you know, Rui's minutes back down to you know 16 a game, 14 a game.
1: <laughs> I will I will be one of those people. Who was outside then Staples Center with signs about sell the team genie? Like I will yeah. I will be one of those, frankly, nerds that I was mocking for you. I will be one of those people.
0: People that you look at and say, Does that guy not have a job for God's sake? Right. Um, uh, and I'll
1: just I'll just have a t-shirt on that says, I make my own hours. All
0: that's right. right. So. self-employed. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there is a scenario in which Torian's minutes go back up into the high 20s, barring injury. Yeah. I feel like once you cross these spaces, um, that you, you, you just can't go, like you can't re-lose the locker room that way. Whatever rotation Andy Darvinham chooses, uh, it had better play well because the Lakers have an enormous task in front of them over the next you know, three or four weeks uh, in terms of schedule. We touched on this a little bit for uh, Tuesday's show, but we want to dive in a little bit more and kind of ask the question of how much winning the Lakers need to do um, over the next month just to kind of tread water uh, and what would be considered good. So we'll get into all that next.
1: Locked on Lakers is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. That's what brings home the winning trophy. It's also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, or all the above, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your ride or die, you will always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Motor Guaranteed Fit, Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you are burning rubber, not cash. And with all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and to bring home that win. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items, only exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers.
0: Okay, so we noted this um, for Tuesday's show. The Lakers open up against the Warriors, who are behind them. You know, they open up the second half against the Warriors, who are behind them in the standings, but playing quite well um, of late. They are like the Lakers and like the other teams, really in the West, where um, you know you kind of look at it, and you know there are clearly two or three teams that are better than than everyone, but all of the top ten teams, at least for me. I mean, you can tell me if you disagree, but at least for me. I can picture any of the top 10 teams beating any of the other ones. I'd be more surprised by some than others. Certain matchups would make it harder. But if you told me if the Warriors keep playing the way they are over the last week or a week and a half, if they kind of keep that up for the rest of the season, more or less, that they could win a series against, you know, a higher level team, I'd be like, sure, of course they can Steph, Draymond, you get, you know, one more good series out of Clay whatever it is, you know, I mean, yeah, I don't have trouble seeing that. I feel that way about basically every team in the West.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Some are easier to see than others or talk yourself into. But I think it's going to be an extremely matchup dependent Western Mm -hmm. Conference playoffs, like, for example, Oklahoma City, I think on balance has been a better team than the Lakers. You know, they're 20 games above 500 as of this recording. <laughs> Shea Gilgis-Alexander. That's
0: a bold statement. On balance, you think the the Warriors, have, yeah. uh, the Thunder have been better. Okay. Hot yeah. takes. Hot yeah, takes. Absolutely,
1: man. F your fear, man. I say what I think. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, Shea Gilgis-Alexander could end up MVP. He's having a respect Anthony Davis, he's having a better season than anybody on the Lakers. That team is well-constructed. They're clearly not afraid. Uh, Their learning curve appears to be pretty quick. But the Lakers have played them really well. And the Mm -hmm. Lakers have a size advantage over the Thunder that I think they could exploit, where even if I think the Thunder are a team more likely to get to the finals than the Lakers, I can actually pretty confidently feel good about the Lakers chances in a series against the Thunder, even if I think mm-hmm. they might beat more teams than the Lakers. You you just have to beat the teams in front of you.
0: Yeah. And the Lakers own they already own the tiebreaker on the this the Suns, who have played better, but I you know I, I don't I like the way the Lakers match up there. Um they own the tiebreaker over the Pelicans. The Pelicans are probably the one team that I don't really buy yet, just mostly because they haven't done it. You know, Intriguing. they've been pretty good when everybody's helpful. But they just In, haven't done it yet. Intriguing little nugget, the Lakers last game of the season is against
1: the Pelicans, and they mm-hmm. currently
0: own the tiebreaker over them. That's right. Um you know, so I mean I like the way you know, but like you know the, the Lakers have played the this is what's crazy about the Lakers. they've kind of played a lot of the good teams pretty well. Um, they played Minnesota pretty well this year. They've played, you know, they had a tight game against Denver. Although, you know, that matchup has uh, been decidedly lopsided of late, I will admit. Um, You know, they beat the Clippers, although I would, until I don't like that matchup for the Lakers very much, especially unless, you know, guys come back healthy. But the point being is seeding is going to matter, um, but matchups are going to matter probably more. And, you know, to some degree, that's just going to be random stuff that comes down to the end of the year. Like, I don't, and plus, then throw in Dallas, who, you know, they've so remade themselves. I don't know what they're going to be. But either way, I think it's pretty clear the Lakers, if, the, if nothing else, would love to get to the top half of the play in. Um, and whether they can do it will likely be dependent on the next dozen or so games. Warriors on Thursday, Spurs on Friday. Better win that game, but it is the second night of a back to back. Come back on Sunday against the Suns. Then you play the Clippers. Then you play the Wizards. Better win that game. It is the second night of a back to back. Then you've got the Nuggets, the Thunder, the Kings, the Bucks, the Wolves, the Kings again, the Warriors. That's like eight playoff teams in a row um, before you see the Hawks and a slumping Sixers team. And then you get the Pacers and the Bucks um, again. And so, like, that is really difficult to play 500 ball through that stretch. You're going to definitionally need to beat five or six playoff teams. Um if the Lakers can be over 500 in that stretch, that is incredibly impressive and bodes well for what's coming. Yeah, per
1: Tankathon the the site that keeps track of, you know, largely if your team is heading towards a lottery, how you looking. Um but the Lakers according to their metrics have the 10th hardest remaining strength of schedule left. Uh Winning winning percentage of their opponents is a combined 51.4%. Phoenix has the toughest remaining mm-hmm. strength of schedule, according to Tankathon. They're number one in the rankings. Sacramento is eighth, like just shades ahead of the Lakers, and the Pelicans are 12, so just shades behind the Lakers. Then you get to Dallas, they're 21st, and Golden State is 25th. If you look at the math right now, Phoenix is currently the five seed. the Lakers are three and a half games behind them, but they have the tiebreaker over Phoenix. And if they win this upcoming game against Phoenix, they, they gain one ground, in, uh, one game in that a ground in that chase. So it's really big beyond the tiebreaker, which is the already one Pelicans. They're also three and a half games behind them. The Six seed. They're currently two and one against the Pelicans. That last game is, is coming Dallas, They've, they're two and a half games behind them and they're one and two against Dallas with no games remaining. So they need to find a way to pass Dallas. Mm-hmm. Sacramento is the eighth seed. They're two games behind them and they're currently oh and two against Sacramento, but they do have two games remaining. So those two games, two games against right. Sacramento are critical. And then they are two ahead of Golden State and they're one and zero against them. Uh, they've got three remaining games, including the first one out of the All-Star break. So... They've got opportunities in front of them to make up some of these, some of this ground, not just in wins, but wins against these specific teams. Mm -hmm. It's going to require, though, some cooperation and some elements outside of their control. And, you know, things where you look back on certain games and you're like, damn it, man, really?
0: Really? Yeah. Um and it's it is that that sort of ability to beat anybody and lose to anybody that is has really defined their season to this point. I mean, it's you can circle the games, the two games against the Grizzlies, the game against the Wizards, the game against the Raptors, the game against the Nets, um, like, you know, that that's, uh, you know, again, a slumping Sixers team that, you know, mid March, late March might, you know, be coming a little bit more whole, but, you know, um, probably still without Joel Embiid at that point. So. Like those are the games that are going to be even more important. Two games left against the Wizards. Got to beat them both. You've Got to win both of those games. Like that, they've got seven or eight must wins on the schedule, and none of them are against the elite teams in the West. They're all against the crappy teams uh, in, in both conferences. Like those games become vitally important. The Lakers cannot afford another Spurs game. You know, they reminder they have already lost to the Spurs. They are one of the Less than two handfuls of teams, you know, two fingers, uh, you know, full of teams that the Spurs have beaten this year. They cannot, another one of those games, another two of those games basically consigns them to the nine or the 10. It's going to be almost impossible to make up ground. Um, And then you got to go 500 against the, you know, the really good teams. I mean, you said this last year, though, Andy, and this is 1000% true this year. If the Lakers can get themselves to a 7, an 8, a 6, definitionally, that means they're playing as well as anybody in the league because when you look at what they've got in front of them, that's the only way to make it happen. It is damn near impossible for them to back into the
1: playoffs, take that as comfort, take that as something to be frightened
0: of, but either way, it's the truth. Um, I'm excited, though. I mean, I, I was not... I'll be I'll be honest, and then you can tell me what you think. I was um a little concerned. I was a little concerned that these last twenty something games could be uh, a real drag. And look, I don't know what's coming, but the opportunity is there. If they play like they did going into the break to make this stuff interesting and give themselves a shot against someone in the first round of the playoffs. Look, we, we've said all season, we're not quite sure
1: how good this team can be, but there was a, for the most part, better version of the team than they were consistently showing. That was in there. We're mm-hmm. now seeing more of that. Hopefully that's just the baseline moving forward, and yeah. we'll see what happens.
0: It's going to require Rui Hachimura continuing to play like they've needed him, frankly, to play all season long. It's going to require Austin Reeves to do much like he's done in February. And by the way, last year carried into the second half of the season. Uh, he had a great February last year and played great uh, over the, fi- the final stretch. He had a great February this year, so hope it continues. These, Andy, are all the types of things and themes that we will be talking about on tomorrow's show as we talk about what we are optimistic about, what we're concerned about, and what we expect and hope to see in the final stretch of games over the second half post-All-Star break. That's coming tomorrow to get you ready for the game. Uh, Lock on Lakers on YouTube is where you can hang out with over 23,000 subscribers. Get yourself ready for the stretch run of the Lakers, which hopefully, hopefully, hopefully leads to something similar to what we saw last season. We'll see everyone tomorrow.